Good morning. morning. How are we doing? Good, good. It's been a good day so far. And uh, uh, my name is John Musgrave, and uh, I serve at the Network Resource Center as what we call the Church Development Director. And uh, that uh, allows me to uh, uh, serve our network pastor, John Wooten, in several areas. Uh, But uh, one of those areas is working with our network churches. Another is pastoral transitions, and another is what we call church life resources, which is a tool that helps our pastors to put some systems and things in place in their local churches. And uh, it's our privilege to be with you today at Synergy, and uh, we're going to be teaching for just a, a few minutes on the concept or the idea of connecting the activity of God to sermon preparation. Okay? Is that what we're supposed to be teaching on? Okay. I'm teaching another session later today, and I want to make sure I didn't confuse them. So, uh, but connecting the activity of God to sermon preparation. And uh, you know, there was a time uh, when uh, my sermon preparation revolved a lot around my study. And by that I mean, you know, I had commentaries there and uh, dictionaries and books and so forth. And uh, uh, stayed there in that study to pull down this resource or this resource or whatever. And could I suggest to you today, and I, for myself, uh, almost all of my sermon preparation now takes place on my laptop computer, you know, because I have so many resources that are available, not only that I've downloaded onto the computer, but are available online. So uh, I think we're challenged sometimes in this particular day and age to be able to uh, allow the resources that we have at our fingertips to be blended with what we would call the activity of God in our local churches and in our local assembly. And uh, for me, I want to just spend a little bit of time, and and my goal today is that I would wind down around five after. In fact, I've set my alarm, and then we'll have some Q&A at the end and so forth. And I'm hoping to even let you out maybe ten minutes earlier so you can get to your next class in a timely fashion and so forth, just because of the distance and those things. So, But uh, I would like to suggest today that preaching reveals God and the truth of God. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to communicate the truths about himself and about the word. And in the local context, preaching, teaching allows God to speak, allows God to feed, allows God to nurture and direct the people of God, the congregants in that local church through the messenger. I don't know about you, but when I stand up to preach and to minister the word, it still remains a very humbling experience to think that God allows me to communicate the timeless truths of his word on a regular basis. That, that still causes me to, to feel a little bit of, a, wow, you know, the, this is awesome. And I would suggest to you that preaching and teaching equips the people of God for life and for ministry. And uh, sometimes preachers or teachers, we preach about the Bible rather than preaching missional messages from the Bible. We can be guilty of preaching about the Bible without preaching missional messages from the Bible. Sometimes preaching and teaching focuses upon orthodoxy, right doctrine, rather than orthopraxy, 
right living. Right living. I would suggest to you that preaching that does not afford the opportunity for lives to be changed falls short of what preaching was meant to be. If people leave my service knowing more about God, but do not have any applicable truth that they can apply to their life so that they can be drawn closer to God, I'm not sure that I fulfilled my total role as a preacher of the gospel. God's truth accurately presented should influence the believer's living. The believer's living. Preaching and teaching often falls, fails to communicate those urgencies. And I would suggest to you that, uh, and I want to be careful when I go here, but uh, I would suggest to you that there was a day when our movement was known as a preaching movement. I'm not sure today that we have some of the notoriety of being a preaching movement. We, we have leaders, but I don't know that we have preachers. And I would suggest to you, particularly if you're here today in this class as a lead pastor or someone who preaches the Word on a regular basis, I would encourage you to continually perfect your craft. Continually perfect your craft. If you're preaching the same way you did 10 years ago and you've not listened to yourself, again, not just listen to listen, but listen to perfect your craft. How can I become a better preacher? How can I become a better communicator of the Word of God? And that needs to go way beyond just content. That needs to go into presentation and uh, illustrations that you're using and so forth and so on. You know, ask yourself the question, if I had to listen to this every Sunday, would I come back? You know, and I think we need to ask ourselves those questions. And if you have another preacher, orator, that you enjoy listening to, ask yourself, why do you enjoy listening to them? What about their preaching style causes you to say, man, I really enjoy that. There, there's something there, and then you need to ask yourself, is that the preacher or the style or the method that I want to begin to become? Okay, you know, And I, I, I might not make any sense to you, but I would suggest to you that preaching teaching that transforms lives requires a continual growth in our relationship with Christ. The first thing that we've got to ask ourselves is the condition of the messenger. How is my relationship with Christ? Am I growing in my relationship with Christ? And I believe if we can begin to say that, yes, I am growing, I, I am moving closer to God. And then we also need to ask ourselves, are we in oneness with the message that we're proclaiming? Uh, there's been weeks that I, I was preaching a message, and eh, it's a good message, but it really hadn't become part of me yet. There's a difference. When you become one with that message you're preaching, uh, it's more fluid, it flows better, and so forth. And uh, are you perfecting your skills in preparation? Are you perfecting your skills in presentation? And that really is just kind of an introduction to this. And, uh, you know, I, um, uh, I, I do, you know, deal with pastoral transitions and so forth. And I can tell you that still to this day, 
pulpit committees are desirous of good preachers. Still to this day, they're desirous of good pulpiteers. And uh, so uh, I want us to continue to grow in that. But today we want to talk about connecting the activity of God with your preaching, with your ministry. And uh, I don't know how many of you ever read Henry Blackaby's material on experiencing God, but that's going to form my introduction today. And uh, Henry Blackaby wrote a book, oh, probably 15, 20, maybe 25 years ago, called Experiencing God. And he has these premises, and I'm going to use a few of these, and then I'm going to expand upon them. But, but he would say to us that God is always at work around us. God is always at work around us. Uh, the community that you're ministering in right now, God is not absent. God is not in neutral. God is doing a work in that community you find yourself in. And God pursues a relationship with us that is real and personal, and He invites us to get involved in the work that He is doing in that community. Too many times we plan activities and then we ask God to bless what we're doing. And I wonder sometimes if God's up there going, I really wish I could, but you guys are so far removed from what I'm doing, I'm not sure I can. And I would suggest to you that God is working. He's working in Gallipolis. You know, he, he's working in Miamisburg. He's working in Chillicothe. He, he's working in Bell Fountain. And He is inviting us to get involved in His work in that community. And I believe that God is a speaking God. Blackaby would say God is a speaking God. And he speaks through his word, through prayer, through the spirit, and so forth. And so God's invitation to get involved with his work, I believe, comes into play through the preaching of the word of God. Through the preaching of the word of God. Years and years ago, there was a devotional that was you know, very much highlighted, and it capitalized on the initials WWJD. What would Jesus do? So we would change that just a little bit, and we would simply ask the question, what is Jesus doing? What would Jesus do? I'm, I'm interacting with somebody. I wonder how Jesus would react in this situation. That's a great question. But as a pastor, as a minister, as someone who's leading a fellowship or a ministry and wanting to get involved where God is working, I need to step back and ask the question, Jesus, what are you doing? Where are you working in this community? Where are you working in the church that I'm pastoring? And I would suggest to you that we're going to kind of look into those truths just for a few moments today, and we're going to begin with the concept God is always at work around you. John chapter 5, Jesus said to them in verse 17, My Father is always at His work to this very day, and I too am working. Verse 19 of that chapter 5, and John says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees His Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son 
also does. The New American Standard Bible in verse 19 says that unless it is something he sees the Father doing, for whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. The message says what the Father does, the Son does. So Jesus explained himself in the language, I'm telling you this straight. The Son can't independently do a thing. Only what he sees the Father doing, what the Father does, the Son does. My question for you is, are we aware of what the Father is doing in our community? Are we aware of what Father God is up to in our place of ministry? See, for me, as a pastor, as a leader, I want to find out where the activity of God is. I want to be praying and seeking and hearing, and then I want to begin to say, Oh God, how can I cooperate with what you're doing? How how can I get in the vein with what you're doing? The question again is, what is God doing? What is Jesus doing? John 5 says, By myself I can do nothing. John 8 says, Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I, the one, claim to be, I can do nothing of my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. John 9, as long as it is his day, we must do the work of him who sent us. John 12, I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. John 14, don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. It is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Over and over again, we find Jesus saying, I can't say anything. I can't do anything unless my Father's saying it, unless my Father's doing it. You know, Scott Wilson did a great job at at, at Kalahari this year. But I don't want to sound too old school here. But when's the last time we got in the closet alone with God and just said, God, what are you speaking? When's the last time we just got in the prayer closet and said, God, I don't want to get on that platform unless I'm really hearing from you. Okay, see, this tells me that God is working... And we need to find out where he's working. I would suggest you, secondly, that we're a spirit-led people. If there is a people, if there is a people that should be able to discern the activity of God, I would hope it would be those of us who are spirit-led people. I, I, you know, I'm sorry, I, and I don't want to, you know, I, I, I've heard some wonderful messages from my friends in the Baptist church and the other fellowships and so forth, Wonder, wonderful sermons, and then they've touched me, they've ministered to me, and I don't want to negate that, but if there is a people that should be able to hear and sense the activity of God, I'm a little jealous about this, but shouldn't it be us? Shouldn't it be that group of people that Romans says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God? Galatians says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Acts chapter 8, and the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join to this chariot. Acts chapter 10, and while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Acts chapter 13, and while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set me apart, Paul and Barnabas. Not only is God working, but we are a spirit-led people. 
I just put those two things together. And I begin to say, okay, God, I need to be thinking about messages that, yes, number one, are reflecting your activity, but number two, Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. Acts, uh, Luke 24, Acts 2, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. You shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea. And uh, could I suggest you, we're spirit-led people. And I would suggest to you that God is a speaking God. God is a speaking God. We said it earlier there in those verses in Acts chapter 8. And the Spirit said to Philip. Acts chapter 10. And while Peter was reflecting, the Spirit said. Acts 13. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. I would suggest to you that God is a speaking God. And I would suggest to you, as Blackaby would indicate, He speaks through the Word. He speaks through prayer. He speaks through devotions. He he speaks through different vehicles. I was talking to a pastor friend this week, and he had been gone on a prayer retreat. And he said, John, he said, man, God just really spoke to me while I was gone. And there's just some things on my heart right now. I just can't hardly wait to begin sharing these things with the church and, and with the flock. And I don't know about you, I don't know that that can happen every week, but I think it should happen more often than it does. <laughs> Al's shaking his head over there. <laughs> Thank you for that, I appreciate that. You understand what I'm saying? I, I think it should happen more than it, sh- it does. I think it does anyway. And uh, could I suggest to you that God is working, We are a spirit-led people, and God is speaking. And I would suggest to you that the book of Acts gives us an indication that God is working on both sides of the equation. Acts chapter 8, if you want to turn there, you can. But the angel of the Lord, in verse 26, spoke to Philip, and he said, Arise and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. And he arose and went, and behold, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he came, had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot, was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. And when Philip had run up, he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he said, Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to a slaughter. As a lamb before its shears is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation his judgment was taken away. Who shall relate, his, relate to his generation for his life removed him from the earth? The story goes on that Philip was able to explain that passage of scripture. And uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, what hinders me from being baptized? I would suggest to you on any given Sunday morning, God is working on both sides of the equation. The question is, are we allowing him to work on our side of the equation? 
The question is, are we allowing Him to work and allow us to be tuned with the activity of God? Allowing Him to lead us by His Spirit. Allow Him to speak to us. This is a message for you, for your people. I I would suggest to you that in in the the book of Acts chapter 9, now Saul was still breathing threats. He was on the way to Damascus, and he was struck down from uh, his uh, mount, and and he was uh, heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And we find, of course, that Saul is told, I want you to go on into the community. I want you to go to the city called Straight. And while Saul is having that conversation with God, God is having another conversation with Ananias. And Ananias is told, I need you to go, and I need you to go talk to this man called Saul. And Ananias says, I heard about that guy. I googled his name last night. And he's a bad dude. And I'm not sure I want... you sure you want me to... Yes, I want you to go talk to him. Because I have a call on his life. He is my chosen vessel. He's my chosen instrument. I'm just suggesting to you that God is working on both sides of the equation. He's working in the lives of the Saul's in our community. Maybe you don't have any Saul's in your community. People that are opposed to the gospel. People that are giving you a hard time. Maybe you don't have, and maybe you're praying destruction on them instead of salvation on them. God's working on both sides of this. He's got a guy that's a persecutor of the church, and because he's active, because he's working, he says, I'm going to knock this guy down a couple notches. I'm going to let him know who really is the king. He goes blind for a few days. And while God's working on Saul over here, he said to Ananias, who we haven't heard anything before and probably didn't hear anything afterwards. I don't hear where Ananias preached great revival messages all over the, you know, maybe he did, but I, you know, I don't hear about that. But for this mission, God needed him. And he led him to the city called Straight, street called Straight, said, you need to pray for Saul. Could I suggest to you that God is working on both sides of the equation? Acts chapter 10, my last illustration of this, illustrations from the Scriptures. Now there was a certain man of Caesarea named Cornelius. He was a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household. Verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who was just come into him and said to him, Cornelius, fixing his gaze upon him, being much alarmed. He said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers, your alms have ascended up to memorial for God and now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon who is also called Peter. They dispatch the two men. The next day we find Peter's up on the house, stop praying. He sees the vision of the sheets with the animals in it. Don't call anything clean, uh, unclean that I've called, called clean. Happens again, happens again. Finally, Peter says, I, I think I'm getting the message here, God. About that same time, about that same time, coincidence? No. About that same time, we're here from Cornelius' household, and uh, we were told by an angel to come over here, and we're supposed to talk to Peter. All I'm saying is God is working on both sides of the equation. God is working on both sides, and He's trying to bring these seats together. And, and I'll just step back. If I am the messenger, okay, in these cases, if I'm Philip, 
And I say to God, God, I don't have time to go down there and that place you want me to go to. I, I don't think that's where you're active. You know, I, I'm busy. I've got this series going on and, you know, we really got to finish this series right now. You know, I put a, I've got a problem. If I'm Ananias and, you know, I don't know, God, you know, I, I know that you want to save everybody, but, you know, we've got a whole big city council coming this week and the mayor's going to be here and so forth. And I'm not sure, you know. All I'm saying is, if God is working on both sides of the equation, there's much on the other side of the equation that I have no control over at all. I have no control over what God's doing in Saul's life. I have no control over what God might be doing in the Ethiopian. I have no control over what God might be doing for Cornelius. But as the messenger, I have control. As the messenger, as the preacher, I have control. And so for me, it is very important for me to know that God is working. It's very important for me to know that I am a spirit-led person. It's very important for me to know that God is speaking to me about what He may want me to speak to Sunday, the next month, the next six months, Whatever it might be, it's very important that I'm aware that God is working on both sides of the equation. My question today is, are we sensitive to the activity of God? Are we sensitive to the activity of God? There have been times in my life when I have been in negative situations and you could cut the room with a knife. You sense it. There's been times in my life when I've entered into positive situations. Nothing was being said. Nothing was really articulating that it was. But you could just tell, man, there's a positive atmosphere in this room. And could I suggest to you that if there's a group of people that should be able to discern the atmosphere of our climate, I believe it should be us as Pentecostal people. I'm not talking about some hokey pokey stuff here. I'm just talking about a sense of, uh, man, this is God. And in our private prayer time, I believe one of the best things we can do as ministers, as messengers, as preachers, as proclaimers of the gospel is to become more and more in tune with the voice of the Holy Spirit. What am I doing in my prayer time? Yeah, I'm asking for this and I'm petitioning, but I am trying to become more and more sensitive to the presence of God. To the presence of God. I'm trying to become more and more sensitive to what God might be speaking. So the reason that we might spend time Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever, yes, is to spiritually prepare ourselves for Sunday, but also to prepare ourselves so that whenever God might speak, we're more sensitive to what He's speaking. I heard uh, the president of North Central Bible College many years ago uh, Gordon Anderson, and, uh, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone. 
But uh, he said, sometimes we as Pentecostals, uh, we are like uh, the insulation around an electrical wire. He said, because of the busyness of life and the situations in our lives, we become uh, kind of encased by stuff. And we no longer, even when we're close to the power of God, close to the Spirit of God, we we really can't sense it because we're preoccupied with this. We've got this going on. We've got this going on. And he said, his teaching that day, his time that day, he said, my prayer for you today is that God might peel back some of the insulation so that you can become more sensitive to the power and the presence of God. And so as, as teaching today, my prayer is that we would not allow the, the busyness of ministry or the hecticness of life or, or the situations we might be encountering to so encompass us with an insulation that we become less and less sensitive to the power and the presence and yes, the voice of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. And so my question is, are you sensitive to what the activity of God. Do you know what God is doing in your community? When's the last time you got on your face before God and just asked Him the question? God, what are you doing in Youngstown, Ohio? God, what are you doing in in Lancaster, Ohio? God, what are you doing in, in the community? Where's your activity here? When's the last time you began praying and seeking God for that? Uh, 1 Chronicles 12, I love this uh, passage. I love the men it speaks of. It speaks of the men of Issachar who understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. Men who understood their times and the knowledge of what Israel should do. Can I suggest to you that do you understand the climate not only of the community you're ministering to, but do you understand the climate of what God is trying to do in that community? If I know what the commander-in-chief wants, if I know what the commander-in-chief is wanting to do, I've got, a, I've got a, an inkling that he's probably going to begin speaking to me about messages, sermons, that are going to move us in that direction that are going to move the work of God in that direction. I, I just, I don't know. If I went into the gym right now and I told them, hey, you know, I, I'd like to lose X number of pounds and X number of days, they would put me on a routine. Well, you need to be doing these exercises and these exercises. You need to be eating these foods and this many calories a day and so forth. If I gave them my goal and so forth, a coach or somebody would say, you know, John, this is going to be a hard challenge. I don't know if we can do this or not, but, but if you're willing to do what I tell you to do, we can get there. Now, why would it be, if God is wanting His church to move in that direction in this community, why would He want us to be preaching messages that are taking us in total opposite direction? Why would He do that? Why would He want us to be ministering messages that are, that are totally off the, the course? And so there again, if I am the pastor, if I'm the lead, I, I believe I need to be saying, God, help me to be sensitive to the times. Help me to be sensitive to the activity of God around me and help me, Lord God, to discern what you're doing. And then having heard that, are you preaching? Are you ministering? Are you joining with God for those things under your charge? The Word of God says in Jeremiah, But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you will go, and all that I command you, 
you shall speak. Moses in Deuteronomy 18 says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, Don't let us hear the voice of our Lord anymore or see the blazing fire, for we will die. Then the Lord said, What I have said, this is right, I will raise up a prophet among you. I will put words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command them. I grew up under the thought process that when I ministered the Word of God, in some form or fashion, I was giving a prophetic message. I am not saying the whole sermon is a prophecy. I'm not saying everything that I said was prophetic. but, But as I proclaimed what God had laid on my heart... As God allowed me, this is his message, I became a prophet to that group of people with that word from God. My question is, if we understand that God is working, if we understand that we're a spirit-filled people, if we understand that God is speaking to us, giving us direction to preach toward his activity... If we are men and women that understand the times and understand that dynamic, I believe we begin to put those things together. If we begin seeking him in that form and fashion, I believe we can become that prophet of God that God wants to use to bring life change to the people that God has given us. Life change. And not just orthodoxy. Not just messages about God, but messages that will bring life change. That's my alarm that I'm supposed to quit, so I just want to let you know that. So let me hear those worshipers. <laughs> I want to review real quickly. God is always at work around us. He is. He is always at work around us. God has raised up a spirit-filled people. And he's a speaking God. He's a speaking God. And he invites us, as his messengers, to collaborate and to cooperate with where he's wanting that church to go that church to go if that be the case and we can partner with him I believe we can see Saul's of Tarsus knocked off their mounts I believe we can see Ethiopian eunuchs reading from Isaiah I don't know why I'm reading from Isaiah today about this guy that was denied and you know I don't can someone explain this to me that's a God thing I believe it can happen in the 21st century. I believe we can have a Cornelius send his servants, hey, I heard about this man that lives here, but are we sensitive and are we hearing from God? Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to raise it for a few questions. I'd like to, again, get you out here by 1520 after so you've got time to transfer. But uh, any pushback? Any pushback? Yes, Pastor Al. Pastor Al. 